You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. September 29th, the year of our Lord, 2022, brought to you, as always, by Academy Sports and Outdoors. We're about to hit the road on Friday to head to Oxford, Mississippi, but we cannot hit the road on Friday until we deliver another jam-packed show on Thursday, which is exactly what we're about to do right now. We are high atop a glowing, a radiant downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Thursday night means it's time to talk about the upset meter. We will not be fooled, not again, after what they did to us in week one. We got about five or six games to touch on there. I'm going to break down the A&M Mississippi State game because so many of you asked, where was the breakdown the other night? Well, I'm going to deliver it for you because that's kind of the way we do things around here. You ask for it enough and we will deliver. Speaking of asking, it's a rare move, but in lieu of the Late Kick Extra podcast being on hiatus because it's the season, we're going to open up the mailbag tonight. So anyone who misses that old Late Kick Extra format, tune in or stay tuned in tonight and we're going to deliver it for you. All that plus, Colin, what would you say like? Three or four more best bets we're going to add on tonight. By the time we wrap this here broadcast, we will have eight, we will have eight, nine, maybe even ten best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express. And if we're not to ten by the end of the show, we're going to get there because we got a very, very large board. We got a very large sheet of games that we like this week. They're watching us in not Hoboken, New Jersey, but Hoboken, Georgia. They're watching us not in Marietta, Georgia, but in Marietta, Ohio, Raleigh, North Carolina. Just the original good old-fashioned Raleigh tuned in. And Camarillo, California is tuned in. I cannot in strong enough terms stress to you that you need to be following on Instagram. At Late Kick Josh. We've got Friday Night Lines coming up live from Oxford tomorrow night where we will be adding more best bets. If you missed last week, you missed us going 3-0 on best bets added. Also, I've got like a pre-announcement announcement here. Probably on the Sunday night show I'll be able to let you know. But... Remember how we went on the road a couple of weeks ago in Auburn for the Thursday night show? We'll be on the road again next Thursday night. So Lake Kick Live will be on the road from somewhere. And as it turns out, we may be doing some very fancy things with the Every Given Saturday Tour next week. I don't want to spoil it. That's for Sunday. That's not for Thursday night. So let's dive into the Thursday night show. I'm just telling you there's a lot going on around here because of you. Thank you as always for that. Oh, and let's open our cold brew. When I open the cold brew on Tuesday night, A lot of you, it turns out, are unfamiliar with what cold brew is. I've told you I don't drink on this show or off the show. And you said, how in the world are you drinking cold brew on the show and you say you don't drink? Well, uh, folks, this is coffee, cold brew coffee. As as always, we make sure to turn the label away because you got to pay to have your label shown on this program. But it's delicious. It's so delicious. Let's dive into the show. Upset alert meter. Where are we looking? Who's pulling the upset? Or... Whoops, just pulling the upset this week. We didn't cover Michigan-Iowa the other night, as you'll notice, because I wanted to save it for this. Because Jesse thinks there's no shot this happens. 
Producer Jesse and I have been back and forth all week about this, and he sends me a little research packet before every show, and he gave this a two on a scale of one to 10, a two on the upset alert meter. I am giving it a seven, because I know how these things tend to go, especially it's the first time you're out on the road if you're in Michigan. Iowa is giving up 5.8 points per game, which is, it's a good number for a baseball team, to be honest with you. It's a great number for a football team. Iowa is 5-0 straight up and 6-0, and 5-1 straight up and 6-0 and versus the spread in their last six home games, especially against top five teams. That's the stat I want you to pay attention to. When they get top five teams in there, they just play very well. So you can either do one of two things. You can either try and convince yourself drive by drive how this is going to play out, or you can just understand in totality how college football sometimes tends to work. Now, I know that you're thinking like I am back to the Big Ten championship game. That's the last time that these two teams were on the same field. And Michigan skull drug Iowa, splattered them all over Indianapolis. 42 to 3 was the final score there. I'm not ignoring it. I think that's why this line is as big as it is. Michigan's favored by 11, by the way. I've just watched this game too many times, and I've watched especially some teams go out on the road for the first time too many times into these kinds of environments. Now, I think Michigan did get very lucky that Fox has this game. So it's noon Eastern. That's the kickoff. So that's detrimental to Iowa. I still think that they've got a, a decent shot at being there in the fourth quarter. So I, I just respect the environment up there enough. I'm going to make that a seven. This one's not going to be pretty, this next one. LSU at Auburn. What are your thoughts on this game, by the way? Does anyone care? Like, the, the spread is eight right now. Does anyone think that Auburn's got a shot there? Because um, I don't. So I'm going to put the upset alert at three. I just don't see it. I know all the fancy things to say about Auburn, because if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, I said them when I picked Auburn leading up to that Penn State game. Those things aren't real this year, as it turns out. They're just not. Or if they are, they're there, but you have to have a, a minimum baseline of performance that your team's capable of. And I just don't think Auburn has that. TJ Finley likely not playing in this game. You take that for whatever you'll take it for, because it's not like they've They've exactly been revving on all cylinders offensively with him. But if Missouri holds on to the ball last week and they beat Auburn, there are some people who would lead you to believe Brian Harson's already been fired. And that may be the case. Here's what I'm curious about. If Missouri holds on to the ball last week, and if you didn't see the end of the game, there was a touchback to end the game in overtime. So Missouri is a yard away if the dude just holds on to the ball as he extends it, game's over. So anyway... That turned out the way it turned out. What I want to know is if they score that touchdown, if they win, what is this line? I think this line would be LSU minus double digits. And I think that's dumb because to me, there's no difference in the Auburn team that we'll see this week, whether they lost last week or not. And so I'm looking at this thing and I'm not quite going to put money on LSU, but boy, I, I'm thinking about LSU and I'm asking myself, how many points do they need to win? I think the number could be 20. I, I, think, I think the number could be that low. If you, if you don't allow defensive or special team scoring, and I'm just speaking offensively, if you play Auburn straight up, 20 points may be good enough. I mean, this same team, this same LSU team, held Mississippi State to 16 at home. And that was a pretty impressive feat to me. So this one is not really on my radar. I know it's a single-digit point spread. I'm just telling you, this is as favorable a spot also. Think about LSU. It's as favorable a spot 
as you could possibly be in given your first SEC West road game. Where else would you rather be? I know it sounds disrespectful, but it's just the way it is. Would you rather go to Bama, A&M, Arkansas, either of the Mississippi schools? No, you, you, if you're got, having to go on the road right now in the SEC West, this is where you want to go. So I think it's a good draw for LSU. I put this, this one at a three. One that I'm paying much more attention to, even though the line is bigger, is West Virginia at Texas. I know we said earlier in the week, Quinn Ewers looked like he'd be available here, but the later we get in the week, they've continued to split first team reps, according to Chip Brown over there at Horns 24-7, but it sounded at least earlier today like it may be another week before Quinn Ewers is back. And by the way, if that's the case, that would put him making his first start back against Oklahoma instead of West Virginia. Let's keep eyeballs on that. That's a really, really big deal. So with West Virginia coming in here, the line right now is Texas minus nine and a half. Texas just had that heartbreaking loss to Texas Tech. West Virginia is on extended rest here because they beat Virginia Tech last Thursday night. That's the first little dynamic edge that West Virginia may have in their favor. The other one is Texas's defense was on the field for 100 plays last week on the road. So not only did they lose, sometimes when you're on the field that many plays, that is abnormal. You don't just press some magic button or jump in some magic cold tub and recuperate physically. Sometimes that stuff lingers. And if it does, you probably see a little bit of a higher scoring game here than expected. I am mad. Personally, we didn't jump on the total earlier because it opened in the mid-50s and it's all the way up to 63 now. I tend to think with the weakness in the Virginia or West Virginia secondary combined with just the overall fatigue in the second half you may see from Texas defensively, I think there are going to be a lot of points scored here. They can't afford to play from behind, can Texas. So they really, really need a fast start. Sometimes people say that, and I don't think it's true. Like Tennessee did not need a fast start last week against Florida. I think Texas kind of needs a fast start here. And so I'm putting this upset alert meter at a six. I'm a little concerned about Texas. And notice, I didn't even mention them being in look-ahead mode. Ironically, I don't think it applies here. I really think their focus is on West Virginia and getting themselves righted, they've already got two losses. And this is kind of where you're, you're in limbo, you're on the precipice, you lose this game, you're sub 500 going into Dallas next week. No one wants that. Well, outside of Morgantown, obviously, no one wants that. So I'm gonna put it at a six. I'm, I'm nervous about this one for Texas. Confident, but nervous. Let's go to Alabama, Arkansas. We did the full game breakdown the other night. It has its own individual video on the channel. So I'm not breaking the game down. The numbers are always going to lean Alabama in these spots. The point spreads are always going to be big. You can't afford to put out Alabama minus 10. You would get just buried in Alabama money. So that's why these numbers are as big as they are. However, as has been documented several times, you remember the last few times they've gone out on the road, the only time that they've gone out and really hardcore taking care of business, old school Bama style, was at Mississippi State last year. I think it was like 49 to 9. Other than that, the Florida game, the A&M game, the Auburn game, and then this year, the Texas game, all been really close. And those were, at least point spread-wise, inferior teams to Alabama. So I look at it, and I did the prediction earlier this week. We picked Bama to win. We picked Arkansas to cover. This one's at a four for me on the upset meter scale. Because as we've seen with Bama, they don't start these games. At least recently, they haven't started these games, and it feels like a hornet's nest, but then they pull away. You can, as it turns out, tell pretty early 
recently in these games Bama plays on the road, whether it's going to be a four-quarter knife fight or whether they're going to coast. And so I think the first quarter will tell a lot of that tale this Saturday. But also, here's what's going to be the worst. I'm preparing you for this in advance, guys. You know as well as I do, there's someone out there that's predicting Bama blowouts in every one of these games. And they've been wrong plenty in the past year and a half. But when, not if, but when that Bama team finally puts it all together again and they play on the road like we're used to them playing, that guy is going to tell you I told you so. They may be one in seven in their last eight predictions, but when that one finally hits, they're going to be there in the comment section. This guy only shows up afterwards, by the way. He never lets you know his prediction ahead of time, but he shows up afterwards. Dude, this was never going to be close. Bama was always going to win and cover this game. Hello, hello, Charlie. Hello, Wayne from Wetumpka. Hello, Larry from Lochapoca. Always showing up in the comments afterwards to tell you about their prediction. Anyway, I'm putting a four on this game. I respect the environment up there. The old wounded hog adage is in effect this weekend. I'm going to put a four on it. Let's take a look. You just, they got to run the ball better. Arkansas has got to run the ball way better than they did last year against Bama. Two and a half yards per carry is not going to cut it this Saturday. This one's off the radar, but I want to put it on your radar right quick. Oregon State at Utah. There's no wiggle room for Utah. They already lost that Florida game. So if you want to talk about them in the greater playoff picture, which we don't really talk about much this time of year around here, but if you want to, they can't lose. They can still make it if they don't lose again. They can't lose again because they lost to Florida already. Oregon State had a 17-14 game against USC last week. They came up on the short end of that. Dynamics-wise, I think this is a bad spot for Oregon State. Uh, Utah is going to be playing in desperation mode the rest of the year. Now, I will tell you, they had a big loss at tight end, did Utah, this past week. Not only did they lose their best tight end, they lost a team captain there. So I don't know if that's going to cost them this week. I'm just saying that's something to keep an eye on. That guy's worth a couple of points in a game. And that's very respectful because most tight ends aren't worth anything on a point spread. So keep an eye on that. But outside of that, I don't like the dynamic spot at all this week. This is the kind of game where even a good team coming off that heartbreaker and going on the road in a, an environment like this against a desperate team loses 30 to 13. That's just the kind of spot it is. So I'm going to put it at a four. I, I respect Oregon State. We've been on them. I've told you they're the sneakiest underrated story on the West Coast. I don't like the spot for them this week. So I'm going to put that one at a four. We didn't go quite as high. I had some eights and nines last week, but there was a seven there for Michigan. There's a six there for Texas. So there's some stuff to keep an eye on this week. I have got to give you an address. 3220 Nicholsville Road. No, that's not Cannell's address, but we're going to talk about Cannell later. 3220 Nicholsville Road in Lexington, Kentucky. That's in the South Park Shopping Center. What's going on there, you may ask? You're getting an Academy Sports and Outdoors this weekend. Grand opening starting tomorrow all the way through Sunday. They got a ton of deals, got a ton of specials. But look, you can, you, you can go in there and get anything they're offering. And I encourage that. They are our exclusive partner. Please don't think I am besmirching the good swag that the folks at the Lexington Academy are about to give you. But there is only one thing that I choose to drink our cold brew on air out of, and that is a Pate State Chalice of Supremacy. And let me tell you, if you prove to me that you went to that academy this weekend during the grand opening, you put yourself in the running for one of these. I'm going to give about 10 of them out. I actually just gave one out on Twitter right before the show. So these are reserved only for people who just go above and beyond for the brand. 
You cannot buy them. We do not sell these. They're not in the Pate State store. PateStateMaterial.com, by the way. They're not for sale, but we give them away. Ten of you are going to get Chalai this weekend. Go to the new academy in Lexington, 3220 Nicholsville Road, South Park Shopping Center. It's going to be a great time there. I welcome pictures. I welcome photos of your receipts. In fact, the folks at Academy really prefer the latter more so than the former. We appreciate them. They make everything possible. We're going to be on the road this weekend because of them. I encourage you guys in Lexington to make a stop there. Mm. Really getting used to sipping the cold brew out of the chalice here. That is the sixth Academy in, in the state of Kentucky, but the first in Lexington. So big weekend. The brand continues to grow. We just continue to spread our wings. All right, let's do a game breakdown. We normally don't do game breakdowns on Thursday. We normally do them all on Tuesday, but I got off the air the other night and I was looking in the comments. And by the way, that SEC bias segment had glowing reviews. Shocker to me, glowing reviews. But the biggest negative that we got in our feedback from the other night's show was, why didn't you do a breakdown on A&M Mississippi State? And <laughs> I said, I don't want to cover so many SEC games. What do I look like? Do I look like a homer? Of course not. Whomst would ever say that about me? But you drive the traffic here. So I want to spend a couple of minutes here. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Saturday, 4 o'clock kickoff Eastern. You know where this game's airing? SEC Network. I thought it was on a, I thought it was on a different platform. I'm just going to be honest with you. So what's the perception versus reality here? What do you, what do you think about this game? If you're, if you're busy living your life and you just, you know what you read in the preseason magazines about these teams, what do you think? Well, what you probably don't think is Mississippi State's favored by over a field goal. That's probably not what you think, but that's the reality here. We hopped on, on them earlier this week at minus two, and it crossed three, and it's up three and a half or four, depending on where you look. I know this is huge for Jimbo Fisher, and everyone knows it's huge. If he has his second loss already before they play Bama next week, I don't think I need to waste a lot of time explaining to you what the mood around the program would be. In fact, Sunday night, we may be doing a Texas A&M mood tracker update if they do indeed lose this game. But here's what I don't think a lot of people are talking about. This is a really underrated huge game for Mike Leach. And I know a lot of you probably don't pay a lot of attention to the pulse of the Mississippi State fan base. However, I do. And it may surprise you to know a lot of people are saying this is a must win. Now, they never actually mean must win. Because in our world, on this show, when you tell us a game is must win, that only applies if the coach is going to lose his job if he loses the game. Well, Mike Leach is not losing his job or anything like that. But there are a lot of folks in Mississippi State circles who look at the LSU game a couple of weeks ago, and they're, they're very peeved that they lost that one. They don't think they should have lost it, but they did. And they think they've got a special team this year, and I happen to agree with them. But that doesn't mean anything if it's just if it's written on paper. You've got to get it done on the field. And they're saying to themselves, well, if this guy, Mike Leach, of course, if this guy doesn't win this game, we're already a two-loss team. We've still got the rest of our conference slate to play. How are we going to be any better than seven and five? That's the reason they play them. That's why they get paid a lot of money down here. It's a pressure cooker of an environment. So there's a lot of pressure on both head coaches is what I'm trying to tell you, not just Jimbo. How does Texas A&M do what LSU did? Speaking of which, Mississippi State went down there in Baton Rouge. They lost a couple of weeks ago. How does Texas A&M do that? Well, there were two things LSU accomplished that it's going to be tough, quite frankly, for Texas A&M to accomplish. Number one, Jaden Daniels, a quarterback at LSU, I thought played the best game we've seen him play, all things considered. He may have had a better statistical game or two at 
Arizona State, given the circumstances and given the quality of opposition, I thought it was the best we've seen him play. He went 22 of 37, uh, 210 yards through the air and a touchdown. He ran for another 93 yards on 16 carries. So he, in many ways, was the LSU offense that night. But here's the second thing that happened. And this is something A&M can pull off. LSU's defense won third down so decisively that night. Mississippi State was held to 3 of 14 on third down. So here's the blueprint. Own third downs defensively, get them off the field, and have your quarterback play the best game of his year so far, that being Max Johnson for Texas A&M. You do that, you got a good shot to win. Sounds so easy. I'm telling you, I just said that. It was so easy for me to say. It's a lot different. Also, it's the first true road environment that A&M's gone into this year. 24 points has been enough against, well, for every FBS team that's played A&M this year. You score 24, as it turns out, that's good enough for you to win. So can Mississippi State do that? They didn't versus LSU. Can they do that? Mississippi State's style, unfortunately, kind of cancels out one of the edges that other teams have had against A&M. Teams have secretly kind of been able to run the ball on A&M. Mississippi State barely even believes in the word run. They certainly don't do it to a high degree at all. So if they were to run the ball effectively, it would be totally averse to whatever we've become accustomed to with them. But what they can do, or what they'll need to do, is the same thing they did in this game last year. Remember, State went into College Station and won last year, and the reason was due in large part to Will Rogers throwing it for 408 yards and three touchdowns. Now, A&M's pass defense is the best in the SEC so far this year. So far. Have they faced a quarterback, or have they faced an offense as uniquely equipped to victimize you through the air as Mississippi State? No, they haven't yet. Uh, but we've already seen Mississippi State struggle to victimize LSU. Uh, who's to say that Texas A&M doesn't come in and shut them down even more? So anyway, those are the respective challenges on the table. Here are a couple of wild cards. The first is A&M's without Anaya Smith. He is gone for the year. We're pulling for him. He had successful surgery the other day. He's out for the year. He was their leading receiver. Evan Stewart's back. He needs to have a big game. But Anaya Smith I know folks at A&M are talking about him. I haven't heard enough national talk about him this week. That is a huge blow for Texas A&M. The other thing to keep in mind as a wild card is A&M very well could just totally lock down the red zone defensively in this game. Mississippi State needs to score on big explosive plays. They need to get some sevens from midfield, 40, 45-yard line. They need to strike through the air big plays. I don't think they're going to break off many big runs, but that's where they can get it done. That's where the difference in the game can happen. Scoring touchdowns from outside the red zone. Once that field constricts a little bit on them, I don't necessarily like their odds as much down there. A lot of those crossing routes, I think A&M's defensive front can be plenty enough disruptive where those linebackers can just sink really aggravatingly, take away all those crossers in the middle, and either just make you fade your way to scoring or settle for threes, and that may not be good enough in this game. So let's take a look at what Vegas thinks. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. As I told you, the line is Mississippi State minus four right now, and there was kind of a spoiler alert already earlier this week, because Mississippi State's one of our best bets. Now we got them at minus two, and you see why. Our model likes Mississippi State minus six and a half. There are a lot of dynamics here. Uh, it, it is indeed a look-ahead spot for A&M with Bama on deck, it's their second road game in a row. Because when we say road game, 
I mean, did you have to get on a plane to go somewhere? Or did you have to get on a bus for an extended period to go somewhere? A&M played in Dallas last week, Arlington to be exact, and they're going to Starkville this week. They'll be in Tuscaloosa next week. It is absurd, by the way, absolutely inexcusable that a major college football program is ever on the road three consecutive weeks. That's just me talking, okay? So that's what they gave us. I don't get to make the schedules, unfortunately, yet. That's what they gave us. We're going to take Mississippi State to win. We're going to take them to cover. And if that does happen, don't miss the Sunday show is my advice. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's, um, let's open the mailbag. I have gotten many complaints from you guys that we haven't been doing the Late Kick Extra podcast. Well, there's a simple reason for that. We're in the middle of the season right now. And the Late Kick Extra podcast is my favorite thing to do, and apparently yours as well. Because it's just all mailbags, wall-to-wall mailbag. We do it once a week, and it's just, it's just podcasts. We don't ever upload it onto the YouTube channel. Maybe portions of it, but not all of it. Anyway, if you've never seen us do that, just pay attention. Because here's what it's like. PJ hit us up and said earlier in the, I don't know what that O word is. No, I'm not saying that out loud. Earlier in the O word, PJ said he made a bold prediction of Florida State winning the ACC. I remember this. He continues. You featured it on the show, and you gave it a 9.25 on the boldness scale. What would you give that prediction now? We did a bunch of bold prediction segments, and I gave on a scale of 1 to 10 how bold I thought the predictions were. PJ went off the deep end, in my opinion, and he said Florida State wins the ACC. Well, here we are, early October. Florida State's undefeated. I think they've got a great shot against Wake Forest this week, and that would make them 3-0 in conference play. So we're looking at Clemson and NC State playing this week. Mind you, all of these teams, all of the best teams in the ACC are in the same division. Clemson, Florida State, Syracuse sneaking around the chicken coop there undefeated. NC State, Wake, they're all over there in the Atlantic. And the Coastal is just a cute, fun story, but the Atlantic is where the action is. So we got Clemson and NC State playing this week. Obviously, you got a conference loss there for someone. I really like Florida State's chances against Wake. 
They are one of our best bets. We got them at minus five. The line is minus seven now. Certainly, if you were to predict them to win the ACC, given what we've seen, I would not put a 9.25 on the boldness scale anymore. I would still make it about a, a 7.5. Here's the schedule. They are playing Wake this week. They go to NC State next week, and they've got Clemson the week after that. So the next three weeks, boy, that tells the tale really on Florida State season, even if they can go two and one in that stretch. Look at what they got the rest of the way. They got Georgia Tech. They go to Miami. No one cares going to Miami. You probably, you probably outpace them in attendance down there. At Syracuse, Louisiana, Florida. I'm going to get back to what I said about Miami in a second. I'm going to put this at a 7.5 right now. How does that sound? A 7.5, which will radically change one way or the other once we see those next two weeks. The odds to win the ACC right now, updated as of today. Clemson's the favorite. They're minus 140. NC State is next in line, as is Miami. Jesse, is that right? What Jesse said for some reason. Okay, I am confidently telling you Florida State has a better shot to win the ACC right now than Miami. Odds makers disagree. But anyway, Clemson, NC State, Miami, Florida State, those are your top four. Uh, that's going to change because NC State or Clemson, one or the other, are going to lose to the other this weekend. And if Florida State is indeed able to beat Wake, then, boy, it's game on over there. So the next two weeks will be like a shooting gallery in the ACC Atlantic. I said what I said about Miami there, about the home field. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a fan. I'm not a, I was talking to someone the other day who played, who played, of, well, played at Florida State, but kind of back in the day, man, when the Orange Bowl was still around. Even the rival players miss the Orange Bowl. Even the rival players do. And I was a kid growing up watching games at the Orange Bowl. Not in person. I never got to be there in person. But you look at that environment down there right now, and if you want to tell me that one of the things that needs to return about Miami football is a better game day environment, I can't disagree with you, but I don't know how you accomplish that. Because you can't just clap your hands and whoop, here comes the Orange Bowl back up from the dust. I know they have plans down there, at least on paper, for an on-campus facility. I don't know how feasible that is. I have no clue. I don't know what the story is there. But I, when I say that about Miami, it's not because I don't like Miami. It's actually the opposite. I wish what used to exist as a Saturday environment down there still existed. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is going to be unpleasant too. Mm, sippy sip here. Things are not all well in East Lansing right now. So before, before we get a little doomy and gloomy, if you're watching the show live, please click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel. Here's a question from at Grumpy Old Sarge. He said, how are Mississippi, or not Mississippi State, here, Colin, start here instead. Uh, Sarge said, how are Michigan State fans feeling about that big contract for Mel Tucker, given the level of performance so far this year? Well, I don't know, because I'm not among them every day. But we have a fairly large contingent of Michigan State fans who watch the show. They're not happy. Uh, but there's a difference in being unhappy and being against your head coach. Uh, they're paying him a lot of money, $95 million over a 10-year period. And hold on just a second. Two, carry the four up there. Space. That is $9.5 million per year. Didn't even need stats and info to tell me that. You got to do better. I think Mel Tucker knows that. I think everyone there knows that. I think the fan base knows that. Now, here's the big danger in having a year like they had last year. 
They had a great season. And it was well above anyone's expectation level. And the danger is that becomes the new expectation. Period. Moving forward. And the reality is, last year's season, you know, 11-2, and two, that is very much outside the norm for what Michigan State football has been. It's very much outside the norm for what you should reasonably be able to expect from them. Now, Mel Tucker and his staff, they look at that and they say, well, we're going to totally redefine what a reasonable expectation is for Michigan State. That's all well and good. I'm speaking outside of the Mel Tucker era. Well, you go through what you went through last year. You have really good injury luck. You have good turnover luck. And those things can change year to year. And the fact is they've come into this year and they lost guys like Kenneth Walker III, obviously. But also, if you just change some of those luck sort of indicators that you had last year and you still can't run the ball and you're getting lit up over the top, you got some of the same problems that you had last year, this is what happens. This, you go to Washington and you get humbled. You play, you play Minnesota at home, you get humbled. Now, if this were a program starting from scratch and you didn't see what you saw last year, then you wouldn't be happy, but you wouldn't have that frame of reference. But all of a sudden, when you tasted what it could be like, and now it feels like you're just going backwards, no, they're not happy at all. But I think that there's also a healthy amount of understanding that, okay, we're not quite going to slip into this mold where our expectations are that warped. You've always got to be able to bake in a bad season. And this is where the newer age thinking in college football, I don't sort of align with all the time. There's a newer age line of thinking that goes a little something like this. Okay, it used to be that every now and then you just have a seven and five year or a six and six year. But here's how we're going to rectify that. We're going to eradicate that as a very possibility for our program because we're just going to pay our coach a lot of money. Mel Tucker is who he is regardless of what you pay him. Michigan State football and the realities, in some cases limitations, they are what they are regardless of how much you pay your head coach. But the more you pay the head coach, the more you think you can just microwave away those issues, and you can't. So it, in some cases, just warps what the expectation level is, but the reality is the guy is who he is. I'm not saying that pejoratively. I'm literally saying Mel Tucker is who he is. It's not like if I go from 9.5 million a year to 11 and a quarter a year, he'll win two more games for me this year. No, I'll just pay him a lot more money to do what he would have done anyway. And it, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure locally, I'm not sure inside the Michigan State bubble how different the expectation is year over year for the program. I'm just telling you nationally right now, Last year was great, but the perception is not that Michigan State pulled right up to the table with the Ohio States and Bamas of the world. Like, there's still a ways to go. You don't, you don't just apply one coat of paint, or in this case, a season, and all of a sudden equal what they have in those places because they've got layers and layers and layers of paint. They've done it over years and years and years. They're just getting started at Michigan State. So that's the way I look at it. Now, the question was, how do Michigan State fans look at it? I think it's probably true that because of what they're paying him, a lot of people think they reserve the right to not be patient. And a lot of people reserve the right to, you know, have a little bit more microwave mentality about the way they look at it. 
That's your business. That's not my business. I'm just saying I, I, I have not gotten what I would expect from them, but I'm not shocked that I haven't gotten it, if that makes sense. Now, if that aligns with Michigan State thinking, oh, it's all the better, and it will uh, be a lot more harmonious this Christmas for you, but I'm not quite sure that's the case. Next up, this is an interesting question here. College football playoff, we don't normally talk about it this time of year, but this is an interesting question. Daniel said, at this point in the season, do you believe a first-time team can make the playoff? And if so, who? So Daniel's talking about teams that have never made the playoff, a la Cincinnati last year, Michigan last year. We had two out of the four last year that were newbies, first-timers. The first thing I think we need to do is remind you who's made the playoff. So some people, uh, including us earlier today, some people have forgotten that Florida State has made the playoff. It was way back in the day, first year actually, 2014. Uh, Oregon has made the playoff. Washington has made it. Michigan State's made it. Cincy last year made it. Notre Dame a couple times. Georgia a couple times. So you remember those, but I just want to remind you, if I don't mention Washington here, it's because they've already made it. Florida State's because they've already made it. Who hasn't made it that's got the best shot? Well, the current odds to win the national championship are like this. Bama and Georgia are co-favorites to win it all. Ohio State's right behind them. And then there's a big drop-off. And then it's Clemson at fourth, USC at fifth, and Michigan at sixth. So five of the top six right now would be repeat playoff appearance types. USC is the only one that hasn't made it before that's listed up there near the top of the odds to win it all. So obviously USC has an opportunity to pull this off because if they go undefeated or if they just have one loss and they're the Pac-12 champ and they're USC, it matters, trust me, they're in. I don't have much of a question about that. They're in. If they win the, if they win the Pac-12 with one loss or less, I think they're in. Penn State is in an interesting situation. Let's say that they've got a stretch coming up at Penn State where they play at Michigan. They got Minnesota at home, and they got Ohio State at home. Check the schedule out. Let's say they go 2-1 and one in that stretch. Let's say they beat Michigan. Let's say they beat Minnesota. They lose to Ohio State. And let's say that's their only loss. But Ohio State runs the table. So Penn State can't go to the Big Ten Championship game. I would venture to think that a one-loss Penn State whose only loss is to probably the eventual Big Ten champ, I think they've got a pretty good shot there. And that's going to be a tough stretch to go 2-1 and one against, especially with how good Minnesota looks now, but not impossible. They've already gotten through a, a fairly treacherous opening start to their season. So I think Penn State's in this conversation. Utah, we've talked about them. Utah has no margin for error, but Utah's still sitting there. USC's got to come to them in a few weeks. I think Utah a one-loss Pac-12 champ, absolutely in, especially because their loss is on the road to an SEC team and where they could, have, they could have easily scheduled down in week one and not lost the game. So I don't think they're going to be punished all that much for that. The interesting team in this whole thing is Minnesota. Because Minnesota is over there in the Big Ten West. So unlike Penn State, they don't have a bunch of Michigans and Ohio States in their division. So with Minnesota, man, they... They look ultra impressive. They already went to Michigan State and got a win. And their schedule, by the way, does not have Ohio State on it. It does not have Michigan on it. Their toughest remaining game is at Penn State. Whiteout game, by the way. 
at Penn State. I'm already dressed for it. And that is the 22nd of October. Elsewhere, if you're listening on podcast, you start to realize how real this thing could get. They play Purdue this weekend, double-digit favorite. They go to Illinois at Penn State, I just mentioned. Rutgers at Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa at Wisconsin. That team right there, Minnesota, even if they lose at Penn State, they will win the Big Ten West. They will go to Indianapolis, and they'll be a tough out for someone. My question becomes this. What if, let's just allow our minds to wander for a second, what if they're undefeated and they go to the Big Ten championship game and they lose competitively to Ohio State? What if that were to happen? What kind of shot does Minnesota have? you believe that sentence just came out of my mouth on this show? What kind of shot does Minnesota have? Minnesota's a good team. They're, they're rated in the JP poll. They're a good team. Uh, NC State is another team. They've got Clemson on deck this week, so we'll know a whole lot more about them after that. So I think those are the teams. Southern Cal, Penn State, Utah, Minnesota, NC State. None of them have ever made the playoff before. Those are the teams that I'm looking at. Uh, so I, I still think we've got a half-decent shot at having some fresh blood in the playoff this year. The next question is a big challenge. Oh, huge challenge for me. And, well, let's just take a look at it. Danny hit us up. D-A-N-I. Danny. And uh, Danny asked a question a lot of you have asked. How does Danny Cannell have a platform? And we're not talking about social media accounts. All you have to do is start an account and you've got an account. But, I mean, Cannell's worked everywhere. He's worked for ESPN. He currently works for us here. Uh, he he's, does work with us all the time. I do stuff with him all the time. He's on Sirius XM. Uh, he and, <coughs> oh man, sorry. It's not, it's not because of who we're talking about that I coughed. I had a tickle in my throat. Canal's all over the place. So he's got big platform, huge platform. Big following, played at Florida State. So, so everyone knows Danny. And everyone's got an opinion on Danny. Let me tell you one of the biggest crushing disappointments of my life. Biggest disappointment, or one of them, in recent memory for me, is when I got to know Cannell and I realized he's a good guy. Because I didn't want him to be a good guy. Because he's got horrific playoff takes. I mean, just within hours of us going on air earlier today, the man said people need to stop complaining for them breaking into college football games for Aaron Judge at bats. At this point, I'm pretty sure that he just gauges hardcore college football fans, sees what they think, and then just takes the other side for argument's sake. Because there's no way that he actually believes some of that. But... I feel the same way you do a lot of times when he says that sort of thing. So I wanted Danny to be a bad guy. So we've ended up doing a lot of work together. We covered the national championship together last year. And it just, it really, really threw me for an emotional loop when I found out how likable he is. I know a lot of you don't want to hear this, but I've got to, in good conscience, tell you. Great guy, stand-up guy, character guy, horrific takes a lot of the time. But if I could have met a jerk, if, if Danny would just be morally bankrupt for me, that would have really completed the picture. Because then I could, just, I could just not like him, period. But it really, really messes with you mentally. Now, I know other people who feel this way, too. It really messes with you. Because you want to do what you just saw in this highlight here to him. Uh, you probably can't because you don't have the physical stature of some of those ACC defenders. But figuratively, sometimes you just want to clean his clock. But then you meet him, and he's the nicest guy. Just the sweetest guy. Just the most stand-up dude. And you're conflicted. And you walk away 
and you have this puzzled look on your face, and he still has that grin on his face. It, it just sucks. I don't like it. I don't, I, don't, I don't even like the way I feel talking about it right now. So, every, you know, every now and then, here's what hurts me. Every now and then, Daniel will say something. Like earlier today, you know, he said something about what uh, Clawson up there at Wake Forest has been saying about the environment they'll get down in Tallahassee this week. And I said, you know what? I agree. I agree with that, Danny. And then he gives us Aaron Judge take. And I just tweet out the Care Bear suicide gif. If you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know. And if you don't, follow me on there, at Lake Kick Josh. So, I want to bash him. And sometimes we can fairly bash him. But as a guy, unfortunately, I can't bash him. Pretty good dude. Let's continue. This was another interesting question here. Joe said, what would a JP poll of the Big 12 only look like? There's more parity in that league than any league anywhere, and I would love to see a JP poll around that. This is a good idea. And we have the numbers, so I figured, Joe, you know what? Why don't we give them to you? The JP poll, those are our own internal power ratings, and I put out the generic national version every Tuesday, and then I have to lock the door from the torch and pitchfork crowd. But if you just filtered it for Big 12 teams, how would it look? Now, remember, the criteria here is not ranking. That's why Kansas is going to be lower on here than they would be if I were filling out an AP poll ballot. But this is just a measure of who would be favored against who, according to our model, on a neutral field tomorrow. Oklahoma, we've got as the number one team. They're number eight overall nationally. Texas is number two. We have them 11th overall nationally. Oklahoma State, number three. We have them 12th overall nationally. Kansas State is the number four team in the Big 12, according to the model. I disagree with that, but it's the model. It's not me. We have Kansas State 20th nationally. Baylor is fifth. We have them 21st. Iowa State, sixth at number 26 nationally. TCU is right behind them. At number seven, we have them 28th nationally. Texas Tech is number eight. We have them 32nd nationally. There's Kansas at number nine. We have them 41st nationally. And West Virginia is uh, 43rd nationally. They're number 10. So what you can derive from this is that computer model, even with how good Kansas has been so far this year, it would still favor nine, well, I guess eight, out of the other nine teams in the conference over them. Now, if you want a good indicator of how accurate this is, Kansas plays Iowa State this week. Kansas is at home against Iowa State. Iowa State is a three-point favorite. So that tells you the Vegas types kind of think the same way we do about that. Now, here's something else you should know. It doesn't matter. Kansas was a healthy 13-point dog against Wake Forest, or not Wake Forest, against West Virginia a couple of weeks ago in Morgantown, and they just beat them outright. So, you know, a point spread matters right up until you kick the ball off. So that is a JP poll of the Big 12 right now. Colin, we're going to do a cough right quick. I'm going to give you a three-second countdown so you can hit the mute button. Three, two, and we're back. Okay, uh, a question about teams under the radar. It's probably a pretty good time of year to answer this one. And it was Ryan that asked. He said, who are the most disrespected teams? I'm not a fan of that word in college football. But who are the teams flying below the radar so far? And I will honor that part of the question. By 15 miles, I'm going to break one of my own rules, and it's not even close. Mississippi State is the most disrespected team. I'll even say that. And they're the most under-the-radar team. I went and pulled up the AP poll today, 
I never look at it. But I wanted to see where Mississippi State was ranked. That was my first mistake. They're not ranked. Then I wanted to go to the bottom where it tells you other teams that received votes. Surely they'd be in there. They put another uh, 13 names down there. Mississippi State wasn't in there either. So the AP voters have Mississippi State ranked at the highest 39th and somewhere probably down in the 40s. Uh, we've got them in the top 15 in our power ratings. You, you clearly see they've already been favored on the road against LSU, even though they lost. Favored on the road there. They're favored at home this week against AM. Again, point spreads don't mean much of anything when the game starts. The reason I use that is because I'm trying to tell you those are odds makers. That, that, that Vegas that you guys refer to all the time, the guys in the desert, the ones that you respect so much, they're also telling you we think Mississippi State's a really good team. That's why we're favoring them in these matchups. So that's the first team. Like it's, it is beyond me how they're not ranked at least like top. 20, 25, but whatever. I mean, I've made my thoughts well known on the AP circus. So the next team's Kansas. Now, I just told you I had them power rated down near, what, 40? Yeah, 41st. But we're talking about ranking here. If This is where I get to have fun on the other side of the fence. Because if I were an AP voter, I'd have Kansas in the top 20. They're 4-0. So, and they've beaten some teams that, like, like West Virginia on the road a couple of weeks ago, that's an impressive win. They just won against Duke at home. So they're not just running it up on FCS competition, guys. They've, they've won games at West Virginia. They went to Houston and won. They beat Duke. You tell me right now what the criteria is for that AP. And allegedly what it is, is we're trying to rank teams based on the season so far. If I put a Texas logo up in that box instead of that little Jayhawk, and we had that resume, Texas would be a top 10 team. You know it, and I know it. So to have Kansas not even ranked with that resume, when all I'm allegedly going on, if I'm an AP voter, is their resume, is a joke. It's insane. You know what? Screw it. They're being disrespected. Kansas is being disrespected too. Shameful. Finger wag, Matumbo style. Shame on every one of you, except me. All right, lastly, I think Florida State's underrated. Underranked, excuse me. They're not underrated. They're always properly rated. They're underranked. And they, are they being disrespected? Maybe by Dave Clawson. Uh, but I would say that at 23rd in the AP poll, I'm surprised. Because unlike Kansas, FSU has a brand that matters. Unless we've got a bunch of 20-year-olds voting in the AP all of a sudden. I think that at 4-0, I would expect them to be top 15. I think it may be because they started off the radar so much. And at the time in week one, I don't think enough people respected the win and the way they got it against LSU. Well, LSU hasn't lost since then, nor has Florida State. And so I, get, I don't get the AP mentality because you're not supposed to bake your preseason thinking into your poll, are you? But yet you do all the time. Now, in my world, in the power rating world, we do, but we admit we do. So how in the world is it that I have Florida State power rated higher than the AP has them ranked? I don't get how that ever happens. They've beaten LSU. They beat Louisville on the road with a backup quarterback in, by the way. 
And then they just drug Boston College last week. Now, finally, they play one of your precious ranked teams this week in Wake Forest, even though Vegas would tell you they're below LSU. But I digress. Maybe if they get the job done this week, maybe they finally show up a little bit higher than just 23rd. So I would go Mississippi State, Kansas, and Florida State. Um, we had to do something earlier this week. We had to go to Ted in graphics, and we had to tell him, we need bigger noodles. Our noodles are not big enough. Immunity. And what we mean by that, of course, is we give our best bets out on the show. And for a long time, we had our little graphic, and it just had five blanks on it. And so I would give the five best bets, and then anything else i just have to tell you. We wouldn't be able to show it. So we go to Ted, and Ted said, I got new noodles for you. And he gave us a ramen noodle packet graphic with, I think, 10 blanks on it. And you know what? We're using them all. So here we go. These are the games we've already been on. So to remind you where we've gone, Iowa plus 10, Mississippi State minus 2. Here's why we bet these games early. We bet Mississippi State minus 2. It's now minus 4. We bet Florida State minus 5. It's now Florida State minus 7. We bet Liberty minus 2. It's now Liberty minus 3.5. We bet Eastern Michigan minus 19.5. It's now Eastern Michigan minus 20.5. Virginia is plus 2.5. I think that one we could have waited on and gotten 3. So my bad on that. But we think they're going to win outright. All right. Time for some new bets. We've got four of them that we're going to add here. We are moving on Kentucky plus seven. That's the game that we're going to be at. And we will be there noon Eastern, 11 a.m. local kickoff. We just think it's too many points. We've got Ole Miss narrowly winning. I just took Kentucky outright because I don't want to be proven wrong by Mark Stoops again. I think it's going to be a turnover-filled game. So I'm going to take Kentucky in any points I can get. We want seven, not six and a half. Give me Kentucky plus seven there. That's widely available right now. NC State, we're going to take them. And all seven points they're giving us, that number also widely available. I'm not done moving on that game. I'm comfortable enough with the wind profiles on the advanced models that I like the over here. It's come up from 40, but I told you if, if we get the weather that we want, that total's way too low. And it still hasn't come up enough to where it should come up. So over 43 and a half in Clemson, NC State. We're taking over 43 and a half. We're taking NC State plus seven. And here's a little Friday night special for you. When's the last time you watched Middle Tennessee State play a game? Probably last week. They went and they beat Miami. They come home this week. And they are a four-point dog against UTSA. Two and two UTSA. And Rick Stockstill is running around Nashville, still talking about that Miami game last week. God bless them. They got a big win. I don't like them in the letdown mode on short rest at all. So we're going to take UTSA, and we're going to get to use that little beep beep Roadrunner logo there, UTSA minus four. Now, there are a lot of graphics on the board right now. So I'm not going to read all of them off to you again. I'm just going to tell you we're taking UTSA minus four, NC State plus seven, and the over at 43 and a half. We're taking Kentucky plus seven as well. Believe it or not, even though that's 10 games we've already moved on, we are not done at Late Kick Josh. Make sure you're following on Instagram because Friday Night Lines live from Oxford, Mississippi tomorrow night, pending Wi-Fi access, which I know we'll have. Uh, we are going to add more games. Got another total I'm looking at that we're waiting on. I got two more lines that we're waiting on favorable moves on. So 
make sure you check it out. Okay, we're out of here. Thank you so much for taking time to watch us tonight. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. For producer Jesse, director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. We'll see you in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Until then, take care. We'll see you Sunday night. God bless. Thank you.